welcome to episode 123 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host, Bart Buschatz, and this is the show for November 2023. It is a solo show this month, largely because there's so little news I didn't actually feel it was worth trying to find a, you know, a guest with suitable experience to talk about whatever the big news is. Like I said, there isn't that much big news. Um, I also have a little bit of a sore throat, so maybe it's no harm that it's a short show. Anyway, let us get stuck into the November news. As we usually do, let us start with a little bit of follow-up from stories we've talked about previously or been tracking for a while. One of the main stories last month was Apple's big Halloween media event, and uh, after we recorded, or after I recorded the show, uh, Apple broke some more news related to that event. So firstly, they released a nice behind-the-scenes press release, which included a video which showed off quite nicely how the entire media event was shot on iPhones and edited on Macs. Now, it wasn't shot on an iPhone held hands-free. It was shot on an iPhone used as if it were a professional camera in professional camera rigs, attached to professional drones, and so on and so forth. The point isn't that anyone could make an Apple Keynote with nothing more than a phone, The point is that an iPhone is a good enough camera to be used in a 100% professional rig and setup, and that it is every bit as much of a true blue professional camera as something from blue or whatever. Not blue, red. That's the one here. Blue do microphones, red do cameras. So it was fun to watch, actually. Um, Obviously quite jealous of all the shiny equipment on display, Um, but it was, you know, nice to see Apple dog-fooding their own stuff. Uh, We then, a few days later, got a very, very rare thing indeed. Apple basically released a statement saying that there is not going to be a product. Basically, they said there is not going to be an Apple Silicon 27-inch iMac. So if you want a modern iMac, you should buy the 24-inch because that is, according to Apple, a fantastic replacement for your 27-inch Intel iMac. I would choose to differ on that. I would suggest that maybe your an Apple um, Studio display with a Mac Mini or a Mac Studio, depending on the amount of oomph you require, is the way to go. Because going from 27 inches down to 24, that's just not going to be pleasant. Whereas going from a 27-inch iMac to the Apple Studio display, I can tell you from first-hand experience, is a nice upgrade. It is a gorgeous display. I'm looking at it right now as I read these show notes. And I happen to have a Mac Studio underneath this display, but I think a lot of people would get away just fine, not just get away, but thrive on an M3 Mac Mini instead of Mac Studio. So that would appear to be where Apple are going. Now, there continue to be rumors of a 30-inch iMac or whatever in the future, I think the last I heard, Mark Grimm was breaking those for 2025. So maybe this isn't a case of never, but definitely in the short term, if you're looking for an iMac for Christmas, it's going to be 24-inch or not an iMac. And then somewhat tangential to sort of the big news from that, uh, I hesitate to call it a keynote because it wasn't at a conference. And it certainly wasn't a plenary session to a conference. So the media event, as I've been Reminding myself to call it, uh, one of the big piece of news, obviously, was the M3 series of uh, chips. And Apple did something quite unusual. They 
invited CNBC and a camera crew into their chip testing lab in California and they made a whole bunch of rather senior Apple engineers available and there's actually a really nice, what's either a long article if you prefer to read or a, I think it's about a 20 something minute video uh, linked in the show notes on the CNBC website and it's actually really nice. You know, some senior Apple people interviewed in Apple Park a tour of some of the facilities and a really good overview of the full history of Apple's foray into making their own chips, starting with the A4 being introduced by Steve Jobs all those years ago. So it's actually a really nice bit of coverage there from CNBC. Uh, Following up from Apple's earnings call, um, one of the things we know is that Apple continue to boost their services revenue. It's a big thing they highlight. Tim Cook says it's the future of the company. I find it quite worrying that they're hitching so much importance on services because it drives them to do things that are customer hostile in the app store and stuff. But I also worry that a potentially substantial chunk of that money is at risk because it's coming from Google for default search placement in Safari. And I haven't really covered it on this show, but something that's been going on for the last month and a half or so is the US Department of Justice's antitrust case against Google for their behavior in search. And a big aspect of that case is the deals Google strikes with various browser manufacturers to make Google the default search engine. And let's face it, one of the biggest browser manufacturers in play here is, of course, Apple, particularly mobile Safari. And we discovered... I don't think we had we were supposed to discover, but we discovered during evidence being given in that trial by uh, an expert witness who I who appears to have blurted out something he really shouldn't have said that not only does Apple get paid paid a flat fee for making Google the default, but there's a revenue share as well. So all of the search revenue being generated by that search box in Safari. Apple get 36% of that. That is a lot. In a separate story, Ars Technica actually revealed that that appears to be about three times what the typical Android OEM gets. So that puts a lot of Apple's services revenue and in peril, because if this DOJ case against Google doesn't go Google's way, they may be forced to back out of these kind of exclusivity deals because they may be ruled to be anti-competitive. So that's worrying. Uh, way back at WWDC, Apple promised us that we could use web ca- use our phones as cameras on our Apple TVs and therefore we would get video conferencing software and they mentioned that Zoom would be such an app. That has not been true until now, but uh, Apple Insider and some others have spotted that the Zoom TV app has appeared, or the Zoom app has appeared on the Apple TV App Store. So you can now apparently go ahead and Zoom with your friends from your Apple TV. The Qi 2 standard, which we definitely talked about around about WWDC, is derived from Apple's uh, MagSafe standard. And Actually, we learned about it earlier than WC, I think. But anyway, we learned about it some time ago, but it, it hasn't really been finalised until now. So the final spec has gone through the final formal approval, and we are now expecting devices to start hitting the market any moment now. So that is good. Good. 
Moving on to some regulatory rundown. Um, the drive to regulate Apple Pay as if it was a credit card seems to be spreading across even more countries. So we'd already heard that the Australians had this in mind and that has actually progressed. Um, we The government have said that they are publishing a bill uh, which will aim to regulate Apple Pay, Google Pay and others. Uh, Meanwhile, in the United States of America, the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, is also joining the game. They haven't given details of exactly how, but they have uh, said that they intend to regulate 17 firms who have digital wallets and or pay later services, which means Apple is tick tick. That's Apple Pay and Apple Pay Later, both falling in there. So we don't know how the CFPB would like to regulate them, but they have said that they would like to regulate them. Uh, So details will follow their investigating, I guess. Moving across to Europe, um, Apple appeared to be accepting the inevitable. Uh, One of the things you have to do when you're a publicly traded company in the United States is file paperwork with the US Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, outlining information that investors should know to decide whether or not to buy your publicly traded stock. And uh, as part of that paperwork, there's something called the 10K filing, which has a very important section where a company, a publicly traded company, has a legal requirement to list the known risks to their business so that you can make an informed investment decision. And in Apple's most recent 10K filing, there is this very interesting section The company expects to make further business changes in the future, including as a result of legislative initiatives impacting the App Store, such as the EU Digital Markets Act, which the company is required to comply with by March 2024. Translating from lawyerese to English, ah, poop, we have to open up our App Store in Europe after all. Oh well. Although... They're not really all that resigned to it. They've had to tell investors that this is a risk. But they have also, in fact, I think this story broke about two or three days after the 10K filing. uh, They have also filed paperwork in Europe uh, to legally challenge uh, the EU's demand for third-party app stores. So we shall see how that develops. Still in regulatory rundown territory, um, Japan has tax laws which require developers to pay the Japanese government taxes on apps, and compliance ain't great. So Japan has figured out the solution, since Apple are the single point where all the payments must go through, because Apple insists that everyone must use them as a payment service, the Japanese government like, great, you're perfectly positioned to act as our collector general for our taxes, so... uh, Apple and other app store operators are going to be required to collect the taxes on behalf of the Japanese government. That's uh, an interesting way to, because the Japanese have been quite cranky about Apple making themselves the only payment avenue. So it's interesting that they've now said, well, okay, fine. Then if you will insist on doing that thing we don't like, then uh, we're now going to deputize you as a tax collector. It's not unlike pay as you earn tax and stuff, I guess, as an employee. Anyway, interesting story. And uh, meanwhile, in India, uh, the Indian government feel that Apple's interpretation of Indian tax law and the Indian government's interpretation of Indian tax law do not align. And by the Indian government's cipher, Apple owe them $600 million in back taxes, please. Um, Not clear if Apple will pay or appeal that, but we shall see. 
Moving on to a legal latest then, uh, starting here in the Emerald Isle. The very, very, very long-running case uh, between the European Commission and Apple and Ireland isn't over yet. So way back when I was a young one, I think in the 70s or the 80s, way, way back anyway, um, the Irish government gave nice tax breaks to American multinationals in general to move to Ireland. And Ireland has a low corporate tax rate, whether you're a foreign national or not, right? Whether your company is Irish or foreign, Ireland's corporate tax rate is low. And due to some interesting side effects of how American tax law works, it's it was for a while possible for companies to set up an Irish subsidiary and not pay corporate tax in Ireland on most of your profits because they were officially not made in Ireland um, and not pay tax in America either because in America they could be classified as overseas earnings. So it was kind of an interesting it was a mechanism for making the money be n- under no country's jurisdiction. And at the moment, you try to repatriate the money, you did have to pay taxes. But it was a very interesting arrangement. And that has all been regularised uh, begrudgingly, I think, uh, on the Irish end. But it's all been regularised. Um, but the European Commission's competition commissioner felt that You know, rather than arguing about the case in terms of tax, she argued about the case in terms of unfair competition. And she basically said that by not charging what she felt was the appropriate amount, Apple was giving effectively government aid. Sorry, Ireland was giving effectively government aid to Apple, which is anti-competitive. And therefore... She decided how much tax she felt Apple should have charged and tried to get Apple, basically charged Apple that much tax and basically said, you must pay the Irish Revenue Commissioners this money they don't want. The money ended up going into escrow in the end because the Irish government feel extremely strongly that, what, you know, a there are many powers in Europe, which joining the EU means that you hand over to Europe. But one of the powers you don't is your own corporate tax rate. And Apple feel extremely strongly that they do not want to surrender control of their tax rates to the EU. The EU feel quite strongly they would like that power. Particularly the large nations like France and Germany really want that power to be centralised so that countries can't do what Ireland does and undercut them. So this is actually a very hot button issue. And the money's been in escrow for ages and it looked like Apple and the Irish government had won a few months back. But the commission were not happy. And they appealed. And there has now been not a ruling, but an opinion issued. So someone called the, not someone called the, someone with the role of Advocate General reviewed the Commission's appeal and found that the General Court of the European Union, so a lower court below the Advocate General, had made significant legal errors when deciding that Apple and Ireland were in the clear. And it is the recommendation of the Advocate General that the General Court reconsider their decision. Now, this is kind of an odd one because the Advocate General advises. The Advocate General doesn't mandate. So technically speaking, this opinion 
doesn't mean anything. However, it is very rare for the EU's general court to ignore advice from the Advocate General. So it seems likely the court will review their judgment. So this decade-old, or not quite, but close to decade-old case is likely to burst back into life at some time in 2024. So basically it's one of those lawsuits that never ends, apparently. Meanwhile, across the water from us here on the Edmund Isle, next door in the United Kingdom, London's Court of Appeals has overturned a ruling that was stopping the UK's Competition and Markets Authority from investigating Apple and Google's mobile market dominance, uh, particularly in how it relates to cloud gaming. Apple won that case recently. I don't think it was last month. I think it was the month before. They won it on a technicality. And London's Court of Appeals basically said, yeah, you might want to take the spirit of the law into account too. You're being way too literal here, uh, undone. So I was going to, you know, I sort of assumed this meant that the CMA could go ahead and reopen their investigation. But actually, no, because Apple have a right to appeal the appeals court's ruling on the CMA's appeal. Uh, So the CMA said that they will... They look forward to resuming their investigation when the legal process has completed. In other words, when Apple's time to appeal has elapsed. Or when Apple's almost inevitable appeal is heard. I don't, well, look, we can't know for sure if Apple are going to appeal because their only grounds was a technicality and that technicality has now basically been ruled to be not valid. So maybe this is the end of it. Not sure. But anyway, that case has been resurrected. Finally, Apple and a whole bunch of other tech companies are suing Maryland in the United States. Uh, They have a digital advertising tax, which Apple and others have been collecting and paying. And they have decided that they have a legal argument that the law is illegal. Therefore, they want the law overturned and their money back, please. There are a lot of major companies doing this at the moment. So whenever judgment comes down, it looks like it will be a big deal. Stay tuned. Moving extremely briefly into Apple HR and acquisition news, just one story here that made uh, made the the barrier made it over the barrier for inclusion in the show. Apple continues its hostility, shall we say, towards unionization in the United States, and its relationship with the U.S. Labor Relations Board continues to be rocky. And the LRB have now ruled that Apple illegally denied benefits to the Tosin store in Maryland, or Tucson, Tosin, not sure how you pronounce it. Basically, they have unionized workers there, and Apple decided that when they offered all of their other employees benefits, they would not offer them to the unionized workers, which is not legal. You can't not give workers something just because they're in the union. That kind of union busting stuff was made illegal many, many, many decades ago. So it's it irks me that Apple continue to be so hostile to their workers. But hey, you know, not my country, who am I to say? Moving on to some highlights from Apple's services and original content. Uh, let's start in Apple Arcade Land. Uh, we talked last month about Apple releasing a heckin' lot of new fairly high profile titles onto Apple Arcade. That's been running that's been a sorry it's been running 
for most of 2023. In fact, it's one of the stories of the year in my mind. At no point did it have a dramatic leap, but pretty much every month there was something cool and interesting happening in Apple Arcade. And one of the most recent high-profile games we added was Hello Kitty Island Adventure, and that has now been nominated for Best Mobile Game at the rather prestigious uh, Game Awards. We shall see how they do. Moving into Apple Music land, um, Apple Music users can now save TikTok songs directly to playlists. So if you're on TikTok and there's a song in a TikTok video, you can immediately jump that into your Apple Music playlist, which is kind of cool. And if you are the owner of a PlayStation 5, you can get a free six-month trial of Apple Music, uh, regardless of whether you're a new PlayStation customer or an old PlayStation customer. It's an interesting um, offer. In Apple TV land, then, uh, just in time for the holidays, Apple have released their first new Peanuts movie, uh, Snoopy and Charlie Brown go on a big city adventure. Um it looks like fun. I am happy to see the Peanuts franchise living on and I'm happy to see that Apple appear to be good stewards of that uh, storied franchise. Um, so long may that continue. Meanwhile, one of the best pieces of Apple TV original content I have watched in 2023 was the um, film by and about uh, Michael J. Fox. And I am delighted to say that that film absolutely swept the boards in uh, the um, ooh, I what award? Oh, sorry, the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards. So the document, you know, the feature-length documentary was nominated for five awards. It won five awards, and they're not just like any old award. They are Best Biographical Documentary, Best Documentary Feature, Best Narration for Michael J. Fox himself, Best Director for Davis Guggenheim, and Best Editing for Michael Hart. So they are some pretty prestigious awards, and as I say, I think it's extremely well-deserved. Obviously, in preparation for the Vision Pro coming out next year, Apple has added 3D movies to the Apple TV app. And in related Vision Pro adjacent news, Apple invited some of the press in for a demo of um, spatial video and panoramic photos on an actual Vision Pro. So there's a nice write-up from Apple Insider listed in the show notes. And there's also a link to John Gruber's experiences because he was one of the journalists invited in for a go. He very, very much enjoyed the experience and felt it really was something special. Finally, in Apple services land, France is the latest country to be able to receive money via tap to pay on iPhones. Okay, let us move into our main stories. I didn't mention there wasn't really that much news this month, and I wasn't joking. If I'm honest, if I were to apply my normal filter for what isn't isn't newsworthy, there would be one main story this month. So I had a look through my quick stories at the bottom of the show and decided that two of them were meaty enough to sort of kind of promote. So we have three main stories. Our first one is the truest, mainest of the stories. Apple surprised everyone by announcing RCS support for iOS in 2024. 
Then the second main story was bubbling away under the surface in the days leading up to recording this episode. And I think at this stage, it's become solid enough of a rumour that it's worth talking about. So it would appear that Apple and Goldman Sachs are preparing to part ways, uh, which has implications for the future of Apple Card and Apple Cash. And then our third main story is one of these meta stories. Apple appear to be very much in the mood for ending the year. They have released a whole bunch of awards and charts. So I thought, you know, it was worth grouping those together and talking about them as a story. So, main story number one. Apple did something that I wasn't expecting them to do. They have announced that in 2024, they will be adding rich communication or RCS support into the iOS Messages app. So RCS is a standard developed by the telecommunications industry in an attempt to to give something to telcos that can vaguely compete in the days of WhatsApp and Instagram and modern decent messaging services Because let's face it, SMS and MMS are just not up to the job anymore. You have issues with the fact that they're they're not really that much real time because they they sneak along on existing bandwidth. Um, They can't handle high resolution images. They don't have typing indicators. They can't do reactions. They're very, very primitive protocols. And so the industry figured that they could compete if they developed a standard to give you know, modern features to the built-in messaging that comes from the cell phone carriers. So hence, rich communication services or RCS. Google very much got behind RCS and they have added non-standard editions on top of the actual RCS standard. One of those is end-to-end encryption between Google devices. Um, So... When Apple announced support for RCS, I think a lot of people assumed that meant an end to, or yeah, there were people who assumed wrongly that it meant an end to iMessage being its own special protocol and that somehow iMessage would become RCS. And that's absolutely positively not what Apple are doing. And that they clear that up right sharp. So what's happening is SMS and MMS are getting an additional protocol in iMessage, which is RCS. Apple very explicitly said that they're only going to adopt the official standard, not custom third-party add-ons that are not part of the standard. They did also say that they would like to work with the industry to develop an actual standard for end-to-end encryption, which would be a nice outcome from all of this. So what this means for end users is that green bubbles will become less stupid. Green bubbles will become less brittle and green bubbles will become a little more feature rich. But there will continue to be green and blue bubbles because RCS does not do nearly what iMessage does. And Apple's end-to-end encryption and Apple's various security features, those kind of things are not going to come to the standard RCS. Maybe an to encryption will, but Apple's IP anonymization, all those other cool features you get if you're an iCloud Plus subscriber, that's unlikely to come to RCS. So I I really do think that RCS is a yes and, not a replacement for, and that's certainly what comes out of these various statements Apple have made to the various Apple publications. So it's interesting to see that future. Um, 
and definitely surprising, but I don't think it's quite the revolutionary news that I think some people thought it was going to be. I, I think there was a lot of... When the news very, very, very first broke, I think people thought this was a gigantic big story, but really it's just, oh, okay, so we're doing this as well as SMS and MMS. And I'm sure it's not unrelated to regulatory changes in Europe, right? Um, we know that there is, you know, part of Europe's upcoming new legislations is going to require interoperability between messaging services. And on sort of a few days before this announcement came out of Apple, there was a story that broke that Google had pulled together a collection of European cell phone carriers and that they together had written a, not an open letter, so we don't actually have the text of it, but they had written a letter to Europe's Commissioner for Internal Markets asking that Apple be forced to open up iMessage. And Google also had a a long-running ad campaign trying to shame Apple into adopting RCS. And I think Google would like Apple to replace iMessage with RCS. What they're getting instead is Apple saying, hey, sure, we'll do RCS, which means that the pressure is probably going to be eased on them from the European Commission. But Google don't get what they want either, which is probably wise for Apple to jump before they're pushed, because if you push them, you're forced to do something you don't want, whereas if you jump first, at least you have some sort of control over it. So that is, without a shadow of a doubt, the most significant thing to have happened in November 2023 in Apple land. And we have to wait till 2024 to see the results. They didn't say exactly when, but one would assume this is an iOS 17, sorry, 18 feature. Right, main story number two. Confusion reigns over the future of Apple and Goldman Sachs' relationship. So... Last month, there were rumours that, not just last month, for quite a few months now, there have been rumours that Goldman Sachs are quite keen to get out of their relationship with Apple. And that's sort of a twofold thing. So traditionally, Goldman Sachs didn't do consumer products, consumer financial products. And they thought they would expand into that market. And their method for doing so was to partner with Apple. I mean, if you want to do consumer products, why not join one of the greatest consumer companies in the world? It made eminent sense that Goldman Sachs would try to break into the consumer market with Apple. The problem is that they don't really have the infrastructure for doing consumer stuff. So they have had to spin up an awful lot of support for a very, very small number of products, the most prominent of which is the Apple card. And Apple drive a hard bargain. Apple are known for driving a hard bargain um, with vendors and partners. And basically, Goldman Sachs can't make money at this because of all the extra work involved in supporting all of those pesky end users. And a lot of this is based on internal reports and stuff. None of it's based on formal statements. The two companies have been very, very, very quiet publicly. But there's been this rumbling under the hood of dissatisfaction and or outright unprofitability coming out of Goldman Sachs. And they've sort of made it clear that they don't really want to be in the consumer market anymore. It was an interesting idea. They tried it and maybe they shouldn't have tried it. It's sort of the conclusion they seem to have come to. But they were trapped in a long-term contract with Apple. Uh, The development that broke last week was that apparently Apple offered Goldman a way out. And they basically said, tell you what, we'll dissolve the contract in about a year, maybe a year and a quarter from now. 
which one assumes Goldman Sachs are going to accept that offer, uh, which means that Apple must now be on the hunt for a new partner. None of this is official. Neither company really commented on the substance of the reporting. When asked for comment, what Apple said was, quote, Apple and Goldman Sachs are focused on providing an incredible experience for our customers to help them lead healthier financial lives. The award-winning Apple Card has seen a great reception from customers, sorry, consumers, and we will continue to innovate and deliver the best tools and services for them. That does very strongly imply that Apple are not choosing to call it a day in terms of finance. So that assumes, or that implies, that Apple are going to replace Goldman, most probably. Not that they admit to any of that outright, but they don't deny the rumours. So, like I say, clear as mud. And then just as I go to record this episode, another rumour broke. Um, legendary Apple leaker Mark, Mark Gurman used his column this weekend uh, to share some of his thoughts on the matter. And the name he's thrown into the mix as a contender is Chase, because Apple already have relationships with Chase. So it seems it seems likely that Apple... Will Apple Card and Apple Pay Later and Apple Cash will not be backed by Goldman Sachs in the future. It also seems very likely none of those services are going away. I wouldn't be entirely surprised if between now and a year from now, Apple file the appropriate paperwork to become a bank or a financial institution and end up bringing a lot of this stuff in-house where they can control it themselves. Apple finds it much easier to work with Apple than with others. I wouldn't be surprised, but where Mark Ehrman is is saying is that no, it's uh, Chase at the uh, top of the pile at the moment in terms of negotiations. But there are ongoing negotiations in an early stage, I think is the phrasing. So we shall see. We shall see. For now, we officially know nothing, but it seems extremely clear nonetheless that big changes are afoot in Apple's financial products. That then brings us to our certain final main story, which is really one of those pseudo stories. So we're coming to the end of the year. It's November news, not December news. So I sort of thought we had another month to go before we were into this sort of area. But no, Apple have released a whole bunch of awards and or charts. And if you're wondering what the difference is in award and chart, an award is given based on a subjective value judgment by some experts in Apple and a chart is simply, these are the numbers, this is what people are doing most. So in Apple Music Land, the month started with Apple naming Taylor Swift as their Music Artist of the Year. That is an award, not a chart. So it's not that Taylor Swift is the most played article or, or, sorry, artist or the most successful artist. It's that Apple think her work is the best. So she is the winner on merit, not on numbers. And probably unsurprisingly, Apple Music is going to host an event honouring Taylor Swift. Uh, So, yeah, that makes sense. And in related news, Apple have also reminded us that they have their Apple Music replay feature where you can listen back to whatever you've been listening on. And as we now come to the end of 2023, that's kind of interesting and fun. So link in the show notes to an article from Cult of Mac explaining how you do that. Then 
Moving on from music into app territory, Apple started the month by announcing, you know, not quite 40, I think it was 39 or 37 nominations or finalists, they actually call them, for their 2023 App Store Awards. So they got a bit of hype going. They named a lot of finalists. And then as the end of the month neared, we got the winners. Uh, So this is again an award. So this is, in this case, it's the uh, editorial team that powers those nice editorial write-ups you now find in the App Store. And that team picked what they consider to be the most noteworthy apps uh, on Apple's platforms in 2023. So I'm just going to read from Apple's press release to give you a flavor of what the App Store reviewer, or you know, the App Store editorial team felt was the most worthy for 2023. So they say that all trails nurtures community through comprehensive trail guides and outdoor exploration for everyone. I own all trails. It is a very cool app, by the way. Okay, breaking back to Apple quote. Pret a Makeup offers a true-to-life makeup sketch pad on iPad for professional artists and casual users while fostering inclusivity and self-expression. Photomator's machine learning powered tools make advanced editing tasks streamlined and seamless. Mubi curates exceptional indie films and international docu-series with a human touch. And Smart Gym shines on Apple Watch with its comprehensive library of exercises, routines and robust fitness reporting. So that's what Apple had to say about apps in general. And then they split games out as if games aren't apps. Or somehow Apple seems to think that games are a special enough category to be done separately. So in the gaming category, Honkai Star Rail takes players through a narrative full of complex characters and technically rich combat on iPhone. While Lost in Play invites players to tap into a charming childlike imagination during an epic point and click adventure. Lies of P presents players with an exquisitely crafted dark fantasy world and Apple Arcade's Hello Kitty Island Adventure delivers an immersive gaming world with its main goal being as sweet as can be, making friends. Yeah, so that's how Apple described their own awards. And again, these are awards, not charts. And then Apple rounded off with some chart charts. In this case, the most popular podcasts and Apple books. There's a lot of them listed in a lot of categories, so I'm not going to read those out, but they are linked in the show notes. Interesting to me that I listen to an awful, awful lot of podcasts. And very, very few of the podcasts I listen to made it onto the charts. And any of them that did seem to make it into a position around about 12 in terms of the top podcasts of all, number 10 out of the top 10 is Stuff You Should Know, which is the only one on the list I listen to. And in terms of the top podcast networks, the only one that I listen to also made it to number 10, which is the BBC World Service, who do amazing podcasts. So, you know, interesting. Um, and also just a reminder from Apple that they do sell books. Uh, so we have charts of the best-selling books as well. Okay, so before we wrap up the show, just some a uh, little quick rundown of some other stories that broke in uh, December 2023. Apple have launched their 2024 Swift Student Challenge, um, and this year they are offering 50 kids a trip to WWDC and a free year of um, of Apple Developer Membership, actually. Um, 
So they're going to the, not just the winners, but the, the, the winneriest of winners, um, which is interesting. That's, you know, 50 kids. That's a lot. So if you are, if you're eligible, get stuck in, start programming in your Swift Playgrounds and maybe win a trip to Cupertino for WWDC. Could be fun. Uh, as a huge fan of classical music, I am happy that Apple Music Classical finally has a dedicated iPad app. This makes it a little bit less hobbled feeling than it has been before. I've had to use my phone. But, 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 even though M-Series Max can run iPad apps, assuming the developer doesn't mark them not to be permitted, well, Apple have marked the Apple Music Classical app as not to be permitted on the Mac. So still, I do not have Apple Music Classical on my Mac, which is exactly where I wanted. So come on, Apple, get a move on. Um, Apple have announced some nice improvements to Final Cut Pro, um, mostly uh, machine learning and stuff like that. You know, nice to see the product not being abandoned. Apple have extended the initial free trial for SOS by satellite uh, by one year for last year's iPhone owners, basically. So last year's iPhone owners were offered one year for free, and that year would have been expiring around about now-ish. But Apple don't seem to be ready to start charging for the service, and uh, John Gruber, in fact, argues they can't really charge for it. So they're saying, yeah, you don't have to pay for it for another year. Uh, this, of course, is only for iPhone 15 owners because the iPhone 16 owners, well, we still have our free year ongoing. Maybe ours will get extended next year. We shall see. Now, something I'm rather excited about is um, Apple getting together with a whole bunch of other tech companies to launch a new standard for smart locks. So Alero is the name of this standard. And if things go to plan, then... Alero is going to be like the matter for smart locks. So a functionality, interoperability and security baseline for smart locks. And that, I think, is going to take smart locks out of the wild, wild west where they are at the moment and hopefully get to the stage where I feel comfortable having a smart lock on my front door. But of course, this is a standard body, so this is going to take some time. So we're not talking about 2024, probably. But nonetheless, we appear to be on a good road here. I think Matter has proven itself to be a good platform. So let's hope Alero manages to build on that for smart locks. In the United States, then, Apple and Amcor have announced that Amcor will build a chip packaging foundry very close to TSMC's big factory in Arizona. This is actually a big deal for Apple manufacturing their Apple Silicon chips in the United States. A, it's going to make 2,000 jobs, which is bound to make Arizona happy with Apple. You know, you're already getting plenty of sweetheart tech deals. This won't hurt. Um, But this is actually a really big story because the TSMC plant was actually facing a spot of bother. Because to a large extent, it wasn't really being effective because there wasn't a packaging foundry close by. So they were making, they would have had to make chips in Arizona, ship them to Taiwan to be packaged, and then ship them back to America. And that's not really what I would call American-made Apple Silicon. So by announcing this packaging foundry right next door, effectively, to the TSMC plant, problem 
solved and Apple really can have US manufactured CPUs. So or in fact chips in general. So I think that's a good development. And a related story, Apple's move to try diversify its supply chain continues with Foxconn announcing they are going to spend 1.5 billion with a B US dollars on more plants in India. So again, diversification for Apple. Stick a pin in it. If you are going to gift someone Apple goodies, Apple have released their guidance on the latest possible dates to place your orders if you would like to have them arrive in time for Christmas. So if you're going to gift Apple stuff, definitely read that um, detail in the show notes. And in related news, if you're very, very quick about getting your Christmas shopping done, i.e. before December 8th, and you use Apple Pay to buy stuff from the Apple Store, then Apple will make a donation to Product Red as part of your payment. Um, it is also worth saying that this is actually the sec- this is actually part two of Apple's annual support for Product Red, but the rest expires on December 4th. I'm recording this at 7pm on December 3rd. So by the time you hear this, it's going to be too late, really. But Apple did also donate proceeds from game purchases uh, to Product Red this year, which is new. Right, with that, I am going to draw this show to an end. That is another month's worth of Apple news all wrapped up. I just want to end by thanking everyone who does, has, or has ever supported the show, whether that be financially or just by spreading the word. Uh, reviewing the show in your podcast of choice all of these things really help and are greatly appreciated you've probably noticed there are no ads there never have been any ads not once ever in the history of this podcast has there ever been an ad or a sponsorship or any sort of you know anything like that no nothing commercial like that and that is because i firmly believe that to be a truly independent podcaster, you can't be dependent on people who make money off Apple News because then there's a pressure on you not to report truthfully. I believed when I set up Let's Talk Apple all those years ago, now on episode 123, so you know for the last 122 episodes. And today I have believed that if you podcast for enjoyment rather than to make a living, it is possible to have it not cost you anything and not sell yourself to advertisers. So far, that's proving mostly true. It's not quite through, true that the show is breaking even, but you know something, we're within, within spitting distance of it, and that is 100% down to the amazing support you, the listeners, have shown over all these many years, and I am extremely grateful to you that you allow me to podcast without advertisements that's that i just really appreciate that so you can support the show on patreon i have started to simulate monthly billing by doing one exactly one post per month on patreon which is a list of everything i've done in that month and that post will appear on the last day of the month so if you would like to pledge five dollars a month for all the work i do on this podcast and all of my other podcasts then go over to patreon.com and pledge five dollars if you want to pledge just the one dollar pledge just the one dollar your choice there will be one creation a month so officially it will say per creation billing there will be one a month so it's effectively monthly billing there's also a paypal you can use to send me one-off donations these are very helpful for buying new hardware um 
think, you know, a lot of the hardware I'm talking into has been paid for by listener contributions over the years, and I very much appreciate it. Um, yes, you will find all of that at letsatalk.ie, along with detailed show notes with all of the links that have informed my thinking on the November 2023 Apple News. I've been your host, Bart Bouchard. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next month, happy computing.